0: fantasy focus focus. Focus football is presented by geico switch to geico and see all the ways that you could save it's tuesday august 8th field and daniel hanging out we're going to be talking about the afc west today divisional preview maybe we'll touch on patrick mahomes guaranteed, as we said yesterday, to hit on Raiders fullbacks. How much research did you put into Jakob Johnson's fantasy projection? I
1: did quite a bit more fullback research okay. than I, I have ever done field. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, I got my fullback tiers list. We're going to come out with that episode tomorrow. Oh, wow.
0: Good. Nice. So, That'll be a big one on, on both YouTube. That, that actually yeah, might move us up a little the bit. The charts on Apple Podcasts as Something's well. got to get us Don't there. forget, by the way, you can continue to download the podcast, even if you're already watching it That's on right. YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, whether that is Apple Apple, whether that is Spotify, what else? What other places have lots I of Heart podcasts? Radio, iHeartRadio. Is that what you stuff? use?
1: No, I don't. No, I use Spotify. You use Spotify. I'm a Spotify guy. Do you know
0: that like there's one person in the world who I think still use, uh, still uses Pandora? Do you know who that is? No. Is I, that your mom? Is your mom uh, still using? No, I'm not sure. My mom ever used Pandora. It's Dan Orlovsky.
1: Stop it. Of course, he, of course, Dan Orlovsky would Dan, use Pandora,
0: but not the ad free version. <laughs> Ad version. So every day before NFL Live, for like the 15 minutes prior to the start <laughs> of the show, Dan Orlovsky will have some country music song on. He'll sing along with. And Dan actually has a pretty good voice. Yeah. And the songs are usually pretty good. I'm a big country music fan myself. And yet somehow, at some point between 345 and 4 when the show starts, we will hit at least one ad. That's important So we'll go from like, you know, banger from Morgan Wallen, banger to Luke from Luke Combs. Big time commercial break and you're like the vibes just got crushed right there. Yeah,
1: it's it's almost like we need to find a way to get Dan just a little extra cuz
0: she's just to, you know, get the ad right, version. 12 and... years in the NFL wasn't Dan, if you played 13 years that's in the tough. NFL, yeah, then that, you wouldn't that's that's what I would have before the end. Uh, that's what you're looking for uh, 13 years. Dan's the best. We love him. My favorite Lions quarterback of all time. <laughs> you're allowed to say Matthew Stafford still if you want, but we love Dan and maybe one day we'll get Dan Orlovsky to come on Fantasy Focus and talk quarterbacks because while he may not necessarily have a ton of fantasy experience? I don't know. I have no I, idea whether Dan's played. It. Well, he's got kids, though. He's got triplet boys. He probably has played uh, some fantasy football, but whether he has or hasn't, we should have. It'd be fun on. to talk quarterbacks with Dan Orlovsky. So, a- anybody that's uh, I'm going to write that, that one down.
1: Calvin Johnson is yes. welcome on the show, always. That,
0: those are the rules for yes, fantasy-focused guests. <laughs> All right, it. so let's uh, dive into it. Not a lot of news yesterday uh, from Around the NFL, like nothing super duper crazy. We've got our eyes on Jonathan Taylor. There's still some weird stuff going on there, but we've touched on that already. We'll touch on it more if like a concrete update takes yeah. place. So let's dive into our AFC West division of preview, Daniel. And because they are the best team in the NFL, they yeah. won the Super Bowl last year. We to start with the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Kansas City Chiefs finished as 14 and three last year. Point differ- differential of plus 127. So they were scoring a lot of points. That's all you need to know. I'll give you Travis Kelsey. I'll take Patrick Mahomes. The question is not, what do you think about these players? Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end in the game, and there's no question about it. Patrick Mahomes is the number one quarterback in the game. He's incredible. The question for me is, how high – are you drafting these guys in fantasy? How high are you drafting Travis Kelsey? Or how high can you draft him?
0: Yeah, if for some reason you're looking for more insight on how great Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are, check out some of our prior shows. But I think there's a reasonable case that Travis Kelsey is one of the first five players off the board in fantasy this year. He is going right around pick six in terms of current ADP. A reminder that a lot of the ADP data is going to be more thoughtful as we get closer to the start of the season. You see all these ADPs uh, right now. And uh, Kelsey, fifth overall, average pick of 5.8 so this to me is right where it belongs Daniel so I think there are two factors to consider with Travis Kelsey both sort of intuitive is that like how does he stack up amongst all non-quarterbacks because obviously we're going to pass on quarterbacks early in the draft at least in the first round and if you look at over the past few years past three years specifically okay Travis Kelsey has the 12th most fantasy points amongst all non-quarterbacks. So, like, you're getting elite production that is in line with some of the very best wide receivers and best running backs. The force multiplier is that you're also getting a significant positional edge, right? Travis Kelsey is so much better than whoever you believe tight end two is Mark Andrews or TJ, T.J. Hawkinson, T.J. Hawkinson or yep. Darren Waller. He is better than Justin Jefferson is better than let's say Jamar chase or Cooper cup. So the gap that you are getting between Kelsey and the next best tight end, plus his own production makes him a worthwhile top five overall pick, honestly. And I'm not trying to be hot takey here, but like when we did our episode this off season, discussing the players who have a plausible case for the number one overall pick. While I wouldn't take Travis Kelsey number one overall, there is a logic behind it because you feel like every single week you're almost beginning your matchup up seven, nothing over your opponent. It was a hundred points between Travis Kelsey and next best tight end in fantasy last season. And that's where I think Travis Kelsey, in spite of the fact that these guys are both so good, I'm
1: totally with you. Everything you say on Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes is actually the opposite for me. When I, when you talk about this, right? Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in football, right? Great at everything. There's no question there, but his ADP right now is 12.8, which means if you want Patrick Mahomes, you're drafting him at the back end of the first or the beginning of the second, That's too high for me, Field. The gap between, like you just talked about with Travis Kelsey and the next guy, the gap between Patrick Mahomes and those next quarterbacks, you talked about this. It's not big enough for me to feel like, I want to invest a first round, potential first round or high end second round draft capital on a guy when I can get one of those other quarterbacks a little bit farther down the list. And I don't want that to sound like we're out on Patrick Mahomes, right? That's not what it's about. It's yeah. just, I think, like you have said, there's might be a little bit more value in waiting for one of those other running backs because it's just a little too rich for me right now. Yeah, you're bypassing players
0: like Stavon Diggs, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, right? I'm Nick Chubb. Brown. Josh Jacobs, AJ Brown. So I think that um, what I have to, what you have to remind people though, when they're taking a quarterback super early is that if you take Patrick Mahomes with the 12th overall pick in the draft, yep. it's not that Patrick Mahomes won't be great. It's like opportunity cost, right? It is Patrick Mahomes in order to justify being the 12th overall pick in a fantasy draft needs to be better than he has ever been before. Or it needs to be like when he had his first breakout season where not only was he the best player in football, but he was so much better than every other quarterback. Correct. And I think it's difficult for us to forecast that taking place right now because there are so many elite players in fantasy at that position, like Josh Allen, like Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, the list goes on and on and on. So I don't ever begrudge people when they take Patrick Mahomes early. I also recognize that like part of playing fantasy football is being a fan. Grab the Most the popular player on the planet. If Absolutely. you want to take him, that's fine. But this is, you know, this is this is cost and value based drafting. And I think you have to decide if you pass on Patrick Mahomes, uh, and you end up having to take a, a running back as your third running back in round seven that list of running backs in round seven is going to be pretty uninspiring. Whereas if you don't take a quarterback until round seven, you might still land a Justin Herbert. who We're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes.
1: Absolutely. One thing I will say really quickly before we move on, I've been doing a mock draft series. You yeah. can go online right now and check it out at ESPN.com fantasy. I just did a quarterback. Let's take one of the early quarterbacks mock draft series. Yeah. Not a single one of these guys, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts none of them Mm -hmm. made it ever to the fourth round ever in any of the mocks that I have done if you want to get one of these three guys you got to grab Patrick Mahomes at least in the second round and the other two never made it out of the third so if that's if you want your strategy to be grabbing one of those quarterbacks early just understand there's going to be some cost to that because they are not making it very far down the list in spite of the fact there are some really good QBs farther on down the draft
0: board. I mean it's super rare that players go exactly where you have them ranked in your overall rankings because it's so much more of an art than a science but For what it's worth, I have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts as players 27 through 29 on my board. So I I would like them if I can get them at the back end of the third round. You are telling me that is far from a guarantee. Definitely.
1: All right, let's move on to talk running backs field. I got to say, Pacheco, at the very end of my RB2 list, I'd actually rather have him as an RB3 on my team. But how are you approaching him here? And can he be someone you leave your draft with? as a potential low-end RB2.
0: I really like Isaiah Pacheco as a player. He was awesome for the Chiefs down the stretch last season. He was very good in the playoffs. Um, Worth noting right now that uh, yesterday there was an update uh, via Adam Teicher saying that Andy Reid has suggested both Kadarius Toney... And Isaiah Pacheco could very well be on the field for week one of the regular season. Uh, Pacheco had both, I think it was a foot and a shoulder issue he was dealing with. Um, but he has, he's been on the practice field. Tony obviously uh, had surgery more recently and he has been off the practice field. So Pacheco, it's sort of an interesting one. And I think it depends on what you think you're getting out of Isaiah Pacheco. Yep, In recent seasons. As a matter of fact, over the past four seasons, the highest ranked running back from the Chiefs in terms of total fantasy points at the end of the season, 24th, 22nd, 22nd, and 34th. Wow. So in recent years, what the Chiefs have done is they have relied more upon a committee. And that is why guys like Jarek McKinnon Mm -hmm. and Darrell Williams and Damian Williams and Clyde edwards DeLair one year have been on that list. But if we have seen something from the Chiefs in recent years, it's that as their roster, which is so good, gets more expensive because guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and all these really great players need to make more money. They're going to go cost efficient yep. at the running back spot. I mentioned all of that because Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick a year ago. They've already kind of won in terms of the market efficiency there, but they also might be inclined to, even though he played well last year, even though he's extremely cheap in terms of the salary cap, like, they can divvy things up amongst a bunch of backs. You're going to have Jarek McKinnon, who's going to lead the team amongst in terms of running back targets. That's and as great him. as Isaiah Pacheco is, or was last year for them, as a seventh-round value, he had 13 catches last season. Yep. So I think that the question you have to ask yourself, if you think Isaiah Pacheco has the chance to become a top-20 running back, and I'm skeptical of that, is do you think he's going to dominate The rushing running back, running back rush attempts. I think there's a chance he can do that. But do you think he's also going to dominate the goal line work? Negative. Not totally sold on that myself. And do you think he's going to get increased passing game utilization? Increased. I'd be surprised.
1: Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was increased, but an increase is not (laughs) a whole lot.
0: Right, 13 to like 23 would be reasonable, right? Because he was not a full-time starter last year. Um, I just think that, and I've made this point on a couple of different teams, the Chiefs are planning for a 20 or 21 game season this year, right? So they'll be judicious with guys, and Jarek McKinnon will impact the passing game. Cladabra DeLair will have some sort of role, and there's been tons of buzz this training camp about Daneric Prince, an undrafted free agent, making the roster. Whether he plays is a different story. So I have Isaiah Pacheco as is RB26 on my board. I think he settles in right there. He is a strong flex consideration that I think will lead the Chiefs in rushing attempts most weeks. I think we're going to have to see a little bit more passing game utilization or consistent goal line utilization for him to pay off enough to beat out his current cost. I am totally with you on that.
1: And I will say this from weeks. You said he finished out the season really strong weeks, 10 through the super bowl. That was 12 weeks where he really got a big run, 11.9 fantasy points per game. That would have been running back 24. I mean, we saw what he looked like as their lead back when games mattered, it was on the line. You're talking about a super bowl and they put him in that spot. He was getting work, but no passing game usage. And like I said, a couple of days ago, the Chiefs wouldn't know a traditional goal line play if it came up and punched him in the mouth. Like they just they love to be able to find different ways to be able to get in the end zone rather than just
0: I'm gonna turn around, hand it off to the running back, and there we go. Who is the most random person you can think of that will score a touchdown near the goal line for the Kansas City Chiefs this year?
1: Like it's I would assume like all three all three backup tight ends are gonna score. Yeah. I feel like you I have know. the
0: answer. Tell me. Do you know who Eric Stone Street is? No, very. uh, He's a great actor. uh, Probably received the most uh, acclaim from his role in Modern Family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Looks kind of like Andy Reid has served as like Andy Reid's body double. Yes. Yes. They've done some social bits with him. Yep. He's going to score a touchdown this that's year. It. I'm just telling you. And there's a chance, by the way, he'll score a goal line touchdown before Isaiah Pacheco does. Like, that's how weird this offense is, right? Remember Clyde Edward helaire rookie year, when he was being drafted as a first-round pick? Oh, and by man. the way, he got a ton of opportunities in week one. I remember He that. had like 120 rushing yards and like a rushing touchdown. But it was like four carries from the one to get in for that one touchdown. I remember. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wait. The guy who's 5'8 and, like, 195 pounds may not be the best goal the line, line option. <laughs> Let's instead throw a pass to our left guard. Yeah. Like, almost literally. And then right? it works. And, and then, then we- like- It works, right? So uh, the Chiefs are just going to operate on a different plane near the goal line, which those are the mitigating factors from Isaiah Pacheco. I think they really they're probably are. a little bit lower than some are on the exciting second-year player. Traits are good, but yes. fantasy outlook, a little bit less promising. Yep. I'll talk about the wide receivers, Daniel, because yeah. uh, two years ago, our last offseason, they traded away Tyree Kill. And all year we wondered, all right, someone's got to step into that number one wide receiver role. And how valuable would that wide receiver role end up being? Yeah. That player, at least in terms of overall production, was Juju Smith-Schuster. He's now gone. Yep. Unlike last year, though, the Chiefs did not spend big in free agency on a wide receiver. They signed both Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling last offseason. This offseason, it's kind of, let's turn to the developmental route. You've got your Sky Moore's. You've got your second-round pick in Rasheed Rice. Kadarius Tony, who we expect could play as soon as week one. Does any Chiefs wide receiver matter in your opinion?
1: Uh, yes, some of one of them is going to matter at some point, right? Last year you talked about it. Juju was the highest finishing chiefs wide receiver, wide receiver 35 this year. I think there are two that will matter. Okay. And it's Kadarius, Tony and Sky Moore. Okay. But I think the, like, we're already starting to see it. I want to, I want to lay this picture out here for you. Biggest movers over the last seven days in ESPN fantasy drafts. And mind you, we talked about how it's going to get a little bit more relevant as we get closer to draft season, but Sky Moore the fourth biggest mover up draft boards right now. He is moving up six draft spots over the last seven days, okay? Yeah. Up into the 13th round. Meanwhile, Kadarius Toney, like the people are speaking. Biggest faller by far, dropped 24 and a half draft spots in ESPN fantasy drafts outside of the top 160 at this point. The community is not interested in the injury risk that has already come along with Kadarius Toney not being able to be healthy in training camp. We're not sure if we're going to see him in week, uh, preseason week one field. So when I'm looking at this, like camp reports tell me Sky Moore has been running exclusively with the wide receiver ones during training camp. Yeah. For me, I'm on the side of the people. I would rather have Sky Moore knowing that he played 19 games, staying healthy for almost all of them last year and have that second year upside with
0: Patrick Mahomes
1: than to have whatever the talent is that's Kadarius Tony, but i got to play a guessing game as to which weeks he's going to be healthy.
0: Yeah, no, Daniel, I, I see it the same way. You kind of have to plant your flag most likely on one Chiefs wide receiver. Correct. And I think if I'm going to do that um, – and at the end of the at the end of the draft, I get it. You're saying to yourself, I'm strictly going for the upside play. If and maybe there, you totally. view Kadarius Tony is that player. But I am also planting my flag on Sky Moore. Uh, he was a very popular player in the pre-draft process. Second round pick last year, as I mentioned, a guy who maybe he plays mostly from the slot. Maybe he has a bit more outside ability than his physical profile would suggest. But yeah. I think the fact that he has been a consistent target during training camp, and I get it, the Chiefs are so good that like they can probably pick things up in the middle of a game week and implement it and be awesome. Yeah. I do think, though, with Kadarius Tony, at some point all of these reps missed with Patrick Mahomes adds up. At the very least, it, it prohibits the ability to develop a more significant trust. I think Sky Moore is getting valuable reps with Patrick Mahomes this year. He is my favorite amongst the Chiefs wide receivers. But as you mentioned, these guys are still going very late in drafts. So oh, yeah. if you hit right, you're in for a massive, massive value in Kansas City.
1: All right. Any other Chiefs that you want to talk about? Because that really feels like it from a fantasy perspective. For I us. think
0: for now that's good. Let's talk about the Chargers instead.
1: All right. Chargers last year, 10 and 7. Yeah. Point differential was plus seven. So they obviously, you know, they, they were not terrible. But honestly, Justin Herbert kind of was terrible. No, he was terrible. No,
0: terrible. I mean, he was terrible, terrible. Justin
1: Herbert, here's my question. He was QB two in 2021. Yeah. QB two averaging 22 fantasy points per game. Last year, he was quarterback 15 in points per game field. Can he re-break out? Can we use that term like a re-breakout in this Kellen Moore-led offense now?
0: He sure can. And let's talk about something from last year a little bit more, Daniel, just before we dive into it. Just because not only was he bad, like if you look at full season-long stats, mm-hmm. but there was a slate of games late in the season where you thought to yourself, like maybe he had figured it out, right? He kind of got hot there for a minute, played well against the Cardinals, played well against the Raiders, played well against the Dolphins. And then how about this? In weeks 15 and 16, the fantasy playoffs Eesh. in every league. Yep. fantasy points, 5.5 fantasy points in back-to-back games. So uh, if you made the playoffs, you did not advance with Justin Herbert as your quarterback, most likely. But I'm optimistic here on Justin Herbert. And, like, it seems crazy that you have to make the case about why you're optimistic about a player who was QB2 two (laughs) two years ago, Daniel. But beyond that, also has the most passing yards through three seasons in NFL history. Like, the guy is record-breaking in a few notable ways. But I'm very optimistic, and it comes down to the offensive coordinator change because we've talked about this a million times. We'll talk about it until the season begins. He was playing last year for an offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi who basically had the shackles on Justin Herbert as a player. Right. If you look back last season, uh, excuse me, uh, Justin Herbert ranked 31st in average depth, air, excuse me, air yards per attempt, That's sort of the inverse stat or the opposite stat of yep. average at third. <laughs> air yards per attempt, he was 31st at 63 yards per attempt. Okay. Check down City in LA last year, right? Dak Prescott, who was you know, there were uh, that that was where Kellen Moore was last year, ranked 11th in yards per attempt air yards per attempt. 8.1. I did a clumsy job of saying that stat, but again, Dak 11th, Justin Herbert 31st. 31st. All right. So Herbert was playing a much more contained offense. Dak Prescott was playing a much more aggressive, aired out, in things down the field. So Justin Herbert, I think, will aim down the field quite a bit more. And even if he doesn't aim down the field that much more, Daniel, they've got sick offensive weapons. Yes, they do. They have three legitimate wide receivers, the best pass catching back in the NFL in Austin Eckler, usable tight end in Gerald Everett, and Justin Herbert's a good runner as well. So there are all the reasons to think that Justin Herbert is in line for a bounce-back season this year. And the value is great. As we talked about during our quarterback tiers episode, like this second run on quarterbacks, is where you're going to find your value. Not that, not that you can't draft him a Holmes or an Allen or a Jalen Hurts, but right now, if you're taking Trevor, uh, Justin Herbert, you're getting him in the middle of the sixth round. 54.5 overall, that paired with, you know, a running back, running back, wide receiver start, or running back, running back, or running back... Sorry, running back, tight end, wide receiver start could set you up for an awesome, awesome roster. You're getting like a three to four round discount on some of those elite, elite quarterbacks who are great. It's just that the opportunity cost is quite a bit different when you're getting a Justin Herbert in the sixth round.
1: Yeah. And talking about Kellen Moore, you mentioned last year about the not just last year, but specifically, I want to talk about that. 2021 Kellen Moore's Cowboys led the league in offensive yards per game and points scored per game.
0: For all the things that people have said about Kellen Moore, yes. and I get it. There were some who felt like it was time. I will always fall back to this stat. What is the point of offensive football? Uh, score, score points. Touchdowns. Right. Yep. Score, yeah. score points. Touchdowns are, are best. Better than, yeah. However you can get them is good, right? Yep. A field goal is better than zero points. A touchdown is, is a good thing. During Kellen Moore's tenure as the Cowboys offensive coordinator, the Chiefs were the only team to score more total points. Wow. So it's not like Kellen Moore did some like deplorable job in this Cowboys offense, fell off the rails here. It just was, they felt like a time for a change to kind of level up. We'll see whether that roll of the dice pays off or not. But Kellen Moore, he can coach with the best of them. It, there was a reason why he was out of work for I think like eight minutes this offseason. Yeah. Like It was like the yep. Cowboys and Kellen Moore have parted ways. I, however long the flight is from Dallas to Los Angeles, that's how long Kellen Moore was out of, out of work for.
1: And the Cowboys aren't devoid of talent. Like they weren't, they weren't a team that was trying to find Like, but these chargers have people everywhere, tons every position, of talent. With, yeah, all right, tons of talent. Let's talk about the running back position. Speaking of that talent field, really, it's just two men at the top, yeah. right? You got running backs it's CMC and Austin Eckler. If you're going 1.01 or taking a running back in the first round, who's the first one coming off the board?
0: I'm taking Austin Eckler. And I think that it's very close with Christian McCaffrey. The gap between them is this small. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, the, the past catching upside is just so ridiculous for Austin Eckler. And there is no competition. Right, um I am mindful of the idea that if Kellen Moore no
1: competition, I feel like CMC. Oh, no competition behind him in that offense. Yeah, there's like, no there's, there's no competition, competition like CMC is a good pass catcher No, totally. As well,
0: uh, Austin Eckler is not threatened by a backup by running else. back, yes. and not that Christian McCaffrey is threatened by, but like Elijah Mitchell is going to have a role. Yeah, right. Like yes. the 49ers keep investing third round picks. Often it feels like in running backs, like that's just what Kyle Shanahan will always do now. Yes. Many of them have flamed out before they ever got going, but still Tyrion Davis price third round pick last year, right? Like they're going to have other guys who contribute a little bit in that San Francisco back uh, backfield. And sometimes a lot, I don't see that in Los Angeles. I just don't feel like the backfield is nearly as deep as it is in San Francisco. And Eckler is the ultimate touchdown maker right now in the NFL. He regressed from 20 touchdowns in 2021 to 18 in 2022. The guy just finds a way into the end zone. If they are more aggressive, could that result in fewer checkdowns for Austin Eckler? It could. That being said, I don't think we're talking about like a 40% decline in pass game production for Austin Eckler. Maybe it's a 15 to 20% decline in total targets for Austin Eckler, but some perspective on that. If he sees a 15% dip in total targets, Mm -hmm. we're talking about still like 105 to 110 targets for a guy who's going to catch somewhere around 75 to 80% of his targets because many of them are at or near the line of scrimmage. Remarkable pass catcher. I think he deserves to be RB1. I have no problem taking him as the number one player overall. If you feel like the positional value of running back supersedes that of a wide receiver. I can't believe
1: that he catches so many passes and still gets so much goal line work as well. And because he is their goal line. Guy, him and Christian McCaffrey both. It's like they just do everything so good. But I'm with, if I had to take an offense, if I'm taking a, a running back 1.01, I am with you on Austin Eckler being the, not necessarily 1.01. But if I'm taking a running back before anyone else, it's it's Austin Eckler for me. Christian McCaffrey, because of that, Elijah Mitchell, the 49ers just want to use other running backs. And I'm trying to split hairs right when I'm making this decision. Yeah, totally.
0: I, I don't have like a strong, strong argument against Christian McCaffrey. It's just that you have to find a way to break a tie. And if that's one of the more difficult ties to
1: break against Christian McCaffrey. I would tell you the I'd be
0: doing different. Yeah, I'd be yeah. doing something different professionally exactly. than what we're doing here right now.
1: Uh, is there any chance that in this offense, let's move and talk about some of these wide receivers. Yeah, you just talked about. I want to put on my nerd hat for a second. okay? Please do. Yeah. You just talked about how under Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offense opened it up a little bit more, right? One of the things that we've seen from Mike Williams is as his air yards per target have come down, he's been a more consistent fantasy player for us over the last two years. But now we're talking about a guy that like, maybe you're going to deepen it out again is Mike Williams still going to be that yo-yo guy, or can he have more consistency potentially under Kellen Moore?
0: We have two extremely strong forces that are like working against each other right now. And they both tie into Mike Williams yep. on the surface a, in a system that is more aggressive and wants to throw the ball down the field is tailor made for a six foot, four 220 freak athlete. Like Mike Williams is right. Yep. On the other hand, Mike Williams is now six seasons into his career. What do we know? Seven. What do we know about Mike Williams in terms of how he has been for the entirety of his career? I can tell you about it. He's a yo-yo player, right? So like, what do you think is stronger? Do you think that this offensive system can influence Mike Williams enough that you can get consistent production every single week? Or do you think the fact that in seasons in which Justin Herbert was the second highest scoring quarterback in fantasy, he still wasn't super consistent That's what you have to ask. If you go back all the way uh, to since 2018, those are the last five seasons, Mike Williams has been a top 20 wide receiver in a week 21 times over the past five years. Wow. In that same five year span, he has been outside the top 40 39 times. That's. So you have to ask what you're signing up for in the Mike Williams experience. And you have to decide, all right, if you think the inconsistency is just kind of like a hallmark trait of Mike Williams, I get it. You may say to yourself, like, it's hard for me to feel great about him week in and week out. If you think that this new offensive system can get all of that on track, then the sky is massive. The ceiling is massive for Mike Williams. I just have a hard time believing that a guy who seven years into his career has been up and down and up and down. And by the way, has missed you know games due to injury. He's had quite a few injuries in his career, including four games missed last year. Like, I tend to think that that might be the more representative side of the Mike Williams argument, which is why I have him as wide receiver. Uh, let me get it twice. Why is wide receiver 28 for me, which is pretty much right in line with ESPN consensus? Yeah, I've got him at wide
1: receiver 26, but I think we see this very similarly field. And if he was getting the ball closer to the line of scrimmage, as yeah. we saw in 2021, then I would be more excited about it. But if they're going to use him as that big six foot four deep shot, getting 15 plus air yards per target, he's just going to have up and down weeks. That's just inherently built into Mike Williams play. If we see, and it's tough because we haven't seen it, but if we see that Callan Moore's offense is finding ways to put Mike Williams in positions to succeed, not 15 yards downfield, but still good for us as fantasy managers, then this could potentially be a breakout season for Williams. But I just don't know as though that's going to happen because he's still got Keenan Allen, man in the We slot. discussed
0: yesterday Gabe Davis and how like, by nature he's going to have up and down consistency because of the fact that when your average depth of target is way down the field, those are just harder throws to make. Even a great quarterback like Justin Herbert or Josh Allen would tell you it's harder to throw the ball accurately 40 yards down the field than it is four yards down the field. So you have to know what you're signing up for in the Mike Williams experience. Again, those two forces I discussed the inconsistency of Mike Williams running one way, the potential for a more aggressive offense under Kellen Moore running the other way. I think that the inconsistency is enough to kind of like win out that like, I'm still going to have him as a mid tier wide receiver three, as opposed to going hog wild and saying, this guy's got a weekly like top 15 upside as long as he's on the field and, 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 and healthy, which um, we've seen stretches of that. I think that those are more likely to be stretches than they are full season seasons. Yeah. That consistency has been tough for Mike Williams. He's
1: the kind of guy I love grabbing when I've gotten a wide receiver. That's like a PPR machine, a guy that I know is going to, and like, obviously it's easy. Everyone looks great with Justin Jefferson. the sure, yeah. cup. But if you know that you've got a more of a safety guy in your wide receiver core, wide receiving core in your roster, it makes a guy like Mike Williams more palatable for me.
0: Yeah. I'll probably have Mike Williams uh, against the dolphins in week one. He probably ranked higher than wide receiver. 28. Yeah. Right. It's just that over the course of the season, You'll get some he's going to let you down and yeah. you're going to say, why did I play a guy who got two catches on six targets for 32 yards?
1: It's because for the next game, he's going to get six catches for 145 yards and two touchdowns. Correct. That's why you're playing yeah. him.
0: You just in, in a game in which what you're looking for is predictability. Mike Williams defines that's, unpredictability, yes, the wide true. receiver spot. That is very accurate.
1: All right, field. We are going to pay some bills and be back to talk Raiders and Broncos. But first,
0: It's easy to feel nostalgic in the summertime, especially when you've got a beer in your hand. What kind of beer? But not just any
1: beer. Miller Lite Mm. is the 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for bonfire stories and memories in the making. Miller Time is when you and your friends can get together to enjoy the simple things in life. Crack open a can while you can and let the great taste of Miller Lite hit your taste buds so hard you can feel it in your heart field. Make unforgettable summer memories with Miller Lite. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash FFF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. All right. So
0: I, I have a thought. Uh, drinking a beer, cold summer, cold, cold summer evening makes me think about, I don't know, a lot of things. But like one of them is listening to like some good country music. Ooh, you know, Country uh, music singers love their beer. Yeah, they do. Car ride in today. Yep. Luke Combs cover of fast car comes on very popular these days. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves, everybody loves Luke Combs, me included. Uh, Everybody loves fast car. All time. Great song. Got me thinking. I I don't think that, by the way, I'll be clear. I don't think anybody could cover fast car and do it better than Tracy Chapman's original version. Agree. All time goat. Yep. But there are some songs that have gotten better as they've been covered more and more and more. And I was wondering this, what do you think the best song that you've ever heard that's the cover version is like, is there a song that comes to mind when you're like, yeah, the cover is like that much better than the original to the point that, like, I don't even know who sang the original.
1: So I got a couple of them. OK, but they're a little bit. You can tell me how many of them, you know, one okay. all along the watchtower originally written by Bob Dylan. Jimi Hendrix just crushed it. And I think most Wait, people, that's not Jimi Hendrix. No, It's a Bob Dylan song.
0: Damn. All right. Already in on this. So, OK, yeah, so that's
1: a good one. I think that one fits like really well. Uh, he covers it. I also think, and this is, this is a me thing, yeah. Bonnie Raitt did a song called I Can't Make You Love Me. It's just a, oh, man, if you want to cry for seven straight minutes. You, you know, we talked about the, show, the TV show Shrinking. Yes. You want to put on a song and cry for 15 minutes and just feel bad about yourself before you move on with your day? Yeah. I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. A guy named Bonnie Vare covered it. Bunny Bear's version. Wasn't he was the guy that so sang creepy. with
0: T-Swift recently? Yes,
1: it is. Okay. Yes. So it. yeah, he did an unbelievable job with that song. And everything from there on out is going to start being niche field. So I'm going yeah, to You gonna already reached
0: niche right there. I was thinking Friend of the Devil. I feel like a lot of people think that's a Counting Crows song.
1: Interesting.
0: What What, what, what do you think of? Which version do you Counting think Crows. of? Counting Crows. That's okay. what I think of. All right. So not the Grateful Dead. Nope. From like 50 years ago. Nope. Okay. <laughs> that, that to me strikes me as one where you're like, wait, it wasn't the Counting Crows who sang that song? Right. This a healthy debate. If you have any ideas, like if you have thoughts about which ones, like YouTube I chat, that. fantasy Amazon's focus, are
1: great because it just is like let's it's one of those things where it's another artist wanting to just like pay homage to a different artist. Like you yeah. already had a banger of a song. I'm not going to try to write a new one. I'm just going to copy yours. Cause it's so good. So
0: good. Yeah. That's fair. It just doesn't make, like, it makes me like a little sad when like someone's like, yeah, I love that Luke Combs song, fast car. They're like, it's what like, a beautiful song he wrote. It's, it's like,
1: like mm, mm, nah, nah, sorry. You I mean, it looks great, but not, yeah, he's amazing. Nah, nah. The guy's
0: like one of the top two country stars right now. Him and Morgan is going back jobs. and forth right now. Yeah. But Tracy Chapman, all time legend right there and a great song, but uh, yeah, like, um, I think there's a healthy debate to be had on that. That yeah. was, I don't know, that was my random thought in the car this morning that came into my mind. One of the
1: old bands that I used to play in a long time ago, we tried to cover Fast Car for a while. Uh huh. Our lead singer just it uh, was just just tough. Didn't, Not quite as talented it. as Tracy. It wasn't, Chapman. it wasn't
0: Tracy Chapman. Yeah, weirdly enough, that's what happens.
1: That's, that's <laughs> how it works sometimes. All right, let's move ahead and talk about some more football field. The Las Vegas Raiders, mm, yeah, six and eleven last year. Yeah. Disappointing team. Pretty disappointing. Josh Jacobs led the NFL with 393 touches. You know what the Raiders did to say thank you for that? They gave him the franchise tag. He is not happy with it. Sitting out training camp. Even Devontae Adams now has weighed in on Josh Jacobs not being at training camp field. How the heck are you handling Jacobs if you're drafting in fantasy right
0: now? All right. So for those that have missed it, as Daniel just explained, he's on the franchise act but hasn't signed the tender. Right. I'm not... Super nervous about Josh Jacobs yet. Yet. Okay. But we're getting closer. Every day that passes by, I grow like 1% more nervous. Josh Jacobs is not aiming to just make the $10.1 million of the franchise tag would pay him for this upcoming year. What Josh Jacobs is seeking is a multi-year contract that pays him near the top of the running back market. I don't know that. Specifically, I know that intuitively because I'm not a dummy. That's what a guy who is outstanding at his job would want in a contract year. But that being said, the threat is Josh Jacobs missing games this season. Here's what you have to ask yourself is, do you think Josh Jacobs, who is trying to get every penny he deserves, will be willing to walk away from more than $500,000 For every week that he misses of his job. Because if he doesn't show up. Until week five. Those first four weeks. More than two million dollars in pay. Those don't go back into his pocket. It's not like they can say. Hey happy to see you by the way. Here's two million bucks. That you didn't earn over the past four weeks. right? Like He is walking away from money. Voluntarily. If he skips games. The counterpoint would be well field. If he misses games. He could keep his body fresher and preserve himself. I think you just have to make kind of a calculated decision on which you think is going to end up being the prevailing factor behind Josh Jacobs return until there's been strong reporting that suggests he is definitely going to miss games during the regular season. I'm going to continue to believe that historical trends show. These guys are more likely to show up and get every penny that they deserve on this franchise tag tender And not skip games. Right. So I think maybe it's five days before their first regular season game. But I do think there is a chance that Josh Jacobs plays week one for the Raiders. As a matter of fact, I think it's a good chance. So for now, I'm holding steady with Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor in my running back rankings, which at the beginning of the offseason was already five for Josh Jacobs. The guy is an unbelievable player led the NFL in touches last year, which is, I know, concerning to some, but it's also illustrative of an offense that's going to ride him. Remember Josh McDaniels? Is he going to give it to a bunch of different backs because that's what he did for a million years with the Patriots? No, it's the Josh Jacobs show when he returns. If we get to August 28th and not August 8th, and there's still no sign of him, and there starts to be more and more reporting suggesting he might not be there for week one, panic mode. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are drafting right now for early drafters, and we recognize there are a lot of them. We've been referencing ADP data. Yep. Then I think he's more like RB9, RB10. But for now, I'm holding steady right around RB5. And if you do draft Josh Jacobs right now with an early pick, probably around the middle of the second round, based off of how things are going right now on ADP, you better pay the price for Zamir White early shades of where things were with Le'Veon Bell and James Conner when Le'Veon threatened to, and eventually did hold out for an entire season, but he is very much the exception and not the general trend.
1: If you do that field, I've got to imagine. I'm going to look it up, but Zamir White has got to be free. I can't imagine he's being drafted in any.
0: He might be moving upwards a little bit just because, um, nope, he is free. He is free right now, is Zamir White. He is going, it looks like amongst running backs, I still can't find him, and I'm already at RB68. So, yeah, no sign of Zamir White. Uh, people apparently not that concerned right now with the possibility of Josh Jacobs not showing up.
1: That's one of those things, I think, as we get closer, the idea of grabbing that guy as his backup probably gets a lot stronger. You have to do it sooner. There. Yeah.
0: So, by the way, Jacobs' current ADP is 19.5. If he were showing up, if he were at training camp right now, he would be going much higher than that. Yeah. Right. Saquon, who I think in most people's eyes at the beginning of the offseason had a comparable outlook for 2023 to Josh Jacobs is going 11.1. So back into the first round, like Josh Jacobs would be somewhere between like, if I had to guess nine and 13, if you were at training camp, you're already getting like between a six and 10 spot discount. So it's risky as heck, Daniel. And I'm one of those people that doesn't love the idea of like rolling the dice a bit on my first round pick. Mm, right. Um, but If this, if you do your draft now and you get Josh Jacobs at the back end of the second round after getting Justin Jefferson with the first pick, you get Josh Jacobs with the pick pick 20 and he shows up in two and a half weeks.
1: All of a sudden you got great value. How
0: often are you getting Justin Jefferson and Josh Jacobs in the first two rounds of your draft under normal circumstances? The answer is never. So there's a significant risk if he doesn't show up, but I tend to think that, or there is a risk if he does not show up. I think he's going to end up being there.
1: I think so too. I think if I'm drafting now, I am still operating under the idea that I'm taking him, that he will be there, like you said, in two weeks. And I think I'm getting good value from that standpoint. But Field, as our friend Matthew used to say, no risk it, no risk it. You know what Correct. I mean? Correct, yes. He, I think he trademarked that. I think that. Is I think that true that or not. I, I think it was trademarked. He's
0: a very entrepreneurial type, right?
1: Uh, let's talk about, oh, man, we already had this. When we were talking about the wide receiver tiers that you had, Field, I had some questions about Devontae Adams. Yeah. Over the last three seasons, Devontae Adams was wide receiver three. In his final year with yep. Aaron Rodgers. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, He was awesome. wide receiver six in his only season with Derek Carr. Now he gets Jimmy Garoppolo. We talk about certain pass catchers being quarterback-proof. Does that still apply to Devontae Adams here?
0: Yeah, so I'm assuming the reason why people have been nervous, relatively speaking, about about Devontae Adams this offseason is the quarterback change. Is that correct? It's got to be that. Because, so Jimmy Garoppolo, not ranked. As, right, And
1: it doesn't have to be this, one, but not ranked anywhere in our fantasy rankings as the quarterback position it's the worst quarterback i think it's fair to say that that Devonte adams has played with that doesn't mean that he's
0: bad but it's like been the starting quarterback because he's quarterback played for, with worse all right so let me correct. just like full season is okay. what i mean full season i'm not worried maybe i'm wrong here but Devonte adams as you noted within a league quarterback has been absolutely bona fide super duper star could yep. be wide receiver one in all fantasy wouldn't surprise us at all He's the best touchdown maker in the NFL, and that has nothing to do with who he is catching passes from. I talked on a previous show about how when playing with Brett Hundley, Mm -hmm. who you will at least give me that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Brett Hundley, right? Yes. Okay. 13 games together. He had 65 catches over 800 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. That is like totally respectable, solid output. That's like probably wide receiver two output on a points per game basis. If I had to do the math last year, Jared Stidham, who prior to starting against the San Francisco 49ers, the best defense in the NFL last year, yep. had only started games in college and the preseason. He had zero career regular season starts. What did Devontae Adams do with Jared Stidham in that first game together? Tell me. Seven catches, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. I get it. Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo is imperfect. Um, I think he's fine though. I think he's a totally serviceable starter. As a matter of fact, like one thing you can't take away from Jimmy Garoppolo is his accuracy over the past four seasons. Jimmy Garoppolo has a completion percentage of 68.2%. Wow. That's third best in the NFL. By the way, Jimmy Garoppolo is 68.205. Joe Burrow, who's second best in the NFL is 68.235. Wow. Basically as accurate as Joe Burrow. Now, Completion percentage is not the end-all be-all when it comes to quarterback accuracy, right? If you're throwing the ball a lot more down the field, your completion percentage is going to drop. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo was asked to do a lot of sort of distributing in San Francisco because of their elite run-after-catch weapons, but I don't think that there's going to be a bunch of off-target throws to Devontae Adams this year playing with Jimmy Garoppolo relative to where it was with Brett Hundley and Jared Siddham who had never started a game before. By the way, I like him as a developmental backup right now for the Broncos. But the point is that I'm not concerned about the quarterback concerns that seemingly so many people have for Devontae Adams. And by the way, there is a very strong chance that Devontae Adams is in the top three of targets in the NFL. We always tell you, what's fantasy about? Talent? An opportunity. Opportunity. If anybody questions Devontae Adams, they're a lunatic. Yeah, talent's still there. And the opportunity should be there. 170 targets could easily take place for Devontae Adams this season. They did add Jacoby Myers. They traded away Darren Waller. It's not like he's got a bunch of competition. He should feast this year.
1: So I think this is really what I wanted from you, Field, because – For me, it's about being able to feel confident in the man throwing him the football. This isn't about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is still Devontae Adams. But if this offense and the quarterback getting the football can still sustain him in a top 10, top 7, top 5 type of a way... Then yeah, we can all be in on Devontae Adams. I just think it's the worst quarterback that he will have over a, a full season. And that's my concern. That I guess, was all. I
0: think I've learned that like sometimes like the quarterback can certainly matter. If it's like an unstartable like if it's like a borderline roster player in the NFL, sure, I'd get it. Right? Like if this was Colt McCoy, I think is a serviceable backup, right? But like not the kind of guy that I want starting seventeen games for my team. I would feel less optimistic about Devontae Adams. Jimmy Garoppolo is like probably somewhere between the 16th and 22nd best quarterback, depending on the week in the NFL. He's not Davis Mills is what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'd feel differently if it were a different quarterback, but he is serviceable enough to, I think, to do exactly what Devontae Adams needs to do to be an elite player in fantasy every single week. By the way, last year when not playing with Aaron Rodgers, he had a career high in touchdown catches like Devante Adams is as close to what we have seen as quarterback proof in the entire NFL. Yeah. Like, and not every star receiver has had to deal with a quarterback change, right? Like Justin Jefferson has only ever known Kirk cousins and Joe Burrow has only been the quarterback that Jamar chase has really played with. Like, so I get it. That's not totally fair to some of the other elite receivers, but we've seen guys whose production has dipped when they have played with lesser quarterbacks. Devontae Adams is the exception to that oftentimes seen trend.
1: Okay. So we both view Devontae Adams as a top seven wide receiver. Yep. Even though Jimmy Garoppolo was under center quarterback change with Jimmy Garoppolo being there, is there room in this wide receiving core for another pass catcher for us in fantasy? Obviously Jacoby Myers came over from new England. He was really nice last year. Wide receiver 29 with 12.9 fantasy points per game. Hunter Renfro. Also, nothing to shake a stick at, even though we hardly saw him last year on the field. Is there another Raiders pass catcher that you would be interested in looking at or taking a shot at? In fans? Yeah, so
0: Josh McDaniels has been saying the right things about Hunter Renfro this season. It just makes no sense to me that Hunter Renfro had such a diminished role last year right? after getting that extension and being an awesome player two seasons ago. So I think there's room for one more. I think that one more is Jacoby Myers, yeah. because one thing you can say about the Raiders is that. They've spent a lot of money. I guess this would be two things. They love their former Patriots. Yeah. From the front office to the coaching staff to the roster. Jacoby Myers got a real deal in free agency this offseason. Three years, 33 million bucks. And you kind of know what you're getting with Jacoby Myers. He's like the anti-Mike Williams. right? Like He
1: really is. I don't know how
0: many top 20 <laughs> weeks Jacoby Myers is going to produce this year. He might have like two or three. But I also think in this offense, he'll probably have like 12 weeks where he finishes between like wide receiver 30 and wide receiver 38, right? He's just like a steady Eddie flex. I expect him to have like 65, 70 catches, 850 receiving yards, maybe, but he's like less than 12 yards per catch in his career. He's not a great run after catch player Mm -hmm. until last year. I hadn't really been much of a touchdown producer, right? He had two career touchdowns in his first three seasons, as a receiver only six, but it's really solid. Like he's just a really solid football player. So when you get to your later rounds and you feel like you need some, some comfort food, then I think that's what you're getting in Jacoby Myers. You know what you're getting out of him, which when you get to where he is being drafted, just going to look at that, which I've got let's see if I go to wide receivers right now on the fly, you can beat me to this potentially. Jacoby Myers is being drafted in terms of ADP in the 13th round. Yep. Right. So like there's, the next player being drafted behind him is a great one, Gabe Davis. So, like, you choose what you want at that point of your roster, of your, of your, of your draft, high upside or right. Floor? Who, what do you want? Now, it may be a byproduct of how you've drafted up to that point. Yep. But two players whose profiles could not be more dissimilar. Yeah. Maybe other than Mike Williams and Jacoby Myers, that's <laughs> what Gabe Davis is. Uh, Gabe Davis and Jacoby Myers are. So I'm taking Jacoby Myers, but I think I'm also doing that with the admission that, like, I don't expect him to. be the the league winning player on my roster is not Jacoby Myers. Right. He's like the, you know what? It's bye weeks time. I'm happy to have Jacoby Myers as a plug and play flex option. Yes. I'm with you. And that's where I am drafting
1: him in the thirteenth round. He's not that sexy guy, but I'm finding my my shots that I want to take dart throws on elsewhere. Yeah. Because as a part of these rounds, Field, you can't just take high upside guys for the entirety of your bench. Yep. You gotta have somebody that you can trust once you're in the throes of bye weeks and Jacoby Myers. Again, we saw what he can do last year with the Patriots. Should be able to do something here this year with the yeah. Raiders. All right, last team, Denver Broncos. They were five and twelve last year. Field Yeesh. minus seventy two in the ugly. Point According
0: to Sean Payton, the worst coaching job he's ever seen.
1: Yeah, I heard that. Was that was it, mean. What about the worst quarterbacking job he's ever seen? Because Russell Wilson it was, was bad. as bad as he has been in mm. his NFL career. Do you think that he has the potential? The potential within this offense. To be able to come back to peak, Russ Wilson, like we saw with the Seattle Seahawks, even though he's not running as much. As let he me give too. you let me
0: give you a few reasons for 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 confidence this year. Okay, one, Sean Payton, right? I mean, like obviously, this was the coach that Russell Wilson really wanted. Yep, it's a guy who has done extraordinary work with quarterbacks in the past. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Uh, two is professional pride. I talked about this, with Aaron Rodgers, yesterday. It's non quantifiable. Mike Clegg would slap me right now if I said that in front of him, but. I do think there is something to be said when you reach your professional nadir, like your low point, Mm -hmm. you go one of two ways. That's the player you are going forward or you bounce back. Russell Wilson may be corny, but he's resilient. Third thing is Sean Payton's talked about how he does want to see Russ run a little bit. And that was something that just totally went away last year. Russell Wilson, who's been an extraordinary runner in his career last year, was not the case. You go back to last season. I'm going to pull up the numbers so it can be uh, very precise here. Like he had, let's see, one game with more than 30 rushing yards last year. Yep. That could have happened like every week back in his heyday with Seattle. So um, do I think that he had 55 total carries, by the way, though? So that was fewer uh, 43 and 55 over the past two years. Two lowest of his career. Yeah, we're talking about early in his career, 118, 103, 96, 95, 94. Like he was a threat as a runner back in the day. Yes, he was. I think we'll see a bit more of that, Daniel. I'm having a hard time convincing myself he's like a fringe top 10 or 12 quarterback right now. He'll have some weeks for sure, but I just think there's too much depth of the position for me to get super fired up about Russell Wilson because while you can blame the coach, the system, the personnel, like there were some disconcerting things that we did see from Russell Wilson last year.
1: Absolutely. And I think that part of this is the fact that the rest of that quarterback position, I mean, the guys up at the top are so good. This is just as much about Russell potentially not being the guy that he was, although I think there will be like you have talked about, there will be a positive regression for him this year, but the top of that quarterback room is just so good in fantasy this year that for him to be able to jump back into the top 10, it's a situation that I don't know as though he has all the weapons to be able to take advantage of that. We'll see though. We'll see though. I have him as more a, a QB two in my
0: leagues as well. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he, uh, if anybody or if many people are drafting Russell Wilson to be their starter because we talked about the elite tier. We talked about that great value tier with some awesome, awesome players. And then it's like, do you think Russell Wilson is going to be better than the likes of Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, who are kind of in that somewhere between nine and fifteen range? If you do, then. Crank it up. I think, though, there are much safer ways to address your quarterback
1: spot. If you do feel that, you can wait until basically the last round of your draft and take Russell Wilson there because no one else is probably going to take
0: him. Yeah, and the question would be at that point, do you just say, like, I'd rather roll the dice with, like, an Anthony Richardson and just say, like, I'd rather swing for the fences here than take Russell Wilson, who I think can be solid but not spectacular. Great question.
1: All right, let's move ahead and talk about Javante Williams. He's supposedly been trending in the right direction field.
0: Yeah, so whatever we say today is subject to change when we talk to Stefania, who's still in our training camp tour, I believe either just left or heading to Denver. So hopefully she has uh, some good intel when she returns here on Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. Expository, for those that have missed it. He's been practicing. Javante Williams is. It sounds like he expects to play in week one. It sounds like he might play in the preseason at some point. On the one hand, you're saying to yourself, like, there was a time I didn't know whether he'd be available for like the first six weeks of 2023. Now he might be available for every week of 2023. Then there's this. Do you really think the Broncos who have so much to gain from Javante Williams being fully healthy and a long-term part of their future? Are they really going to go hog wild right away? 20 touches a game or can they lean on a guy like Samaj AP right out of the gates? So here's where I've settled, because I think the more likely thing is that the Broncos are a little more, you know, they're careful with Javante Williams, mm-hmm. even if he plays week one, that maybe he ends up being like a 15-touch-per-game guy. And Samaje P. Ryan ends up playing like 15 touches or has about 15 touches per game as well. So it's close to a split backfield in the early portions of the season. I've got Javante is RB 29. Samaje P. Ryan is RB 37 right now. If Stefania comes back and says, "I saw Javante Williams and he has completely blown me away, and I think that he is uh, way ahead of schedule and he could be the old Javante Williams by week one," I'll adjust accordingly. Sure. My guess is Stefania comes back and says something more the lines uh, along the lines of, "Thrilled with his progress, really happy that he's confident." Still got to remind yourself there is a big difference between as Stefania says all the time, always return to performance and return and return to play. Yep, I I've. I saw Stefania, and I've been trying to find it here. Field, while you've been talking, she, she tweeted about it, right? She, I think she did have a tweet. I thought that it gave us a little bit of her mindset, but not necessarily a well, comprehensive look into her mindset. Well, I, I'm, there was that tweet. I, there was another
1: one where I felt like, and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I thought I saw, and I think it came from Legs, from Jeff Legwald, that he was saying that Javante Williams had a an off day baked into his schedule for a Friday a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he was still going to practice on his off day. And Stefania was like, you know, these are the kind of things where like people get excited because you see this guy wanting to be back on the field, return to play. But those off days are built in for a reason. There's a reason why your body is supposed to have those when you're rehabbing yep. from injury. I was going
0: to say uh, Stefania two days ago, said the Javante Williams recovery story continues to be a fascinating one. If the Bron- Broncos really believe he's close reps during the preseason are important playing actual football against a defense or offense for a defensive player is a component of rehab. There was more, as you mentioned. Um, I can't find that right now on yeah, uh, the tweet machine, the X. Um, but, There's yes, a lot of them. we'll ask Stefania at some point uh, very soon about Javante Williams because um, I really think he's one of the sort of like the pivot players in fantasy this year. Oh, man. He's a I- very interesting guy, in
1: figuring out where you're going to draft him, the value He's a of how we're Talented to draft him.
0: guy who could end up being the guy in what should be a better offense. If that's the case, he'll be way better than RB 29. Yeah. Is it Jerry Judy time in Denver, Daniel?
1: Yes. Let's go. Finally, baby. Field, no wide receiver okay. had seen a bigger jump in ESPN fantasy drafts than Jerry Judy over the last seven days. Yep. Up almost 14 spots. Yeah. Over the last week, here's the things to know about Jerry Judy. Top 20 in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns last year. Top 10 in points via the slot. And that came in a season when Russell Wilson sucked. Yeah. That's the nice way to put it. He only had 16 passing touchdowns, the lowest of his career. You look at the final six full games for Jerry Judy. Six full games because he had two games that he left early, quite early in. All right. Final six full games of last year. Okay. He averaged 19.8 fantasy points per game. He was
0: awesome down the stretch. He is the
1: wide receiver one in this offense. The question that we had, like we did last year, is it Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? That's not a question we have anymore. This is Cortland Sutton's team. He is a wide receiver one for Russell Wilson. I think I'm too low on him at wide receiver 25. After looking at my ranks, I'm going to move him up closer to wide receiver 21, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he is one of those players inside my top 25 that feels like he has the most growth potential. You mentioned those last six games, the last five weeks of the NFL regular season. The only two pass catchers to have more fantasy points justin jefferson and keenan Allen. he got hot at the right time yep. most importantly with jerry judy is that his talent is such that like he should continue to get better and better and better consistency an offense we think should be a lot more respectable yep. he could be an easy climber over the next three weeks somewhere into like that top 18 19 of wide receivers because he is an undeniable beast on the field when he does play last thing here on the broncos field. yeah Greg Dolchich. Yeah, He actually played a pretty big role last year. Like he's one of those players. that's right there on the fringe of if you go really, really late on tight ends, could make a case for starting him right out of the gates in week one. Very talented guy. A good athlete. Sean Payton's named him as a guy who should have a significant role. I believe he described it as the Joker role at one point this oh, off season. Wow. I don't know exactly what that means, Daniel, like the um, but I it sounds good. Roll? Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe, can, I mean, can he can he transcend sports like that? Can Jokic play quarterback for the Broncos if things don't go well? Jokic doesn't
1: even want to play basketball. He just p- wants, he to he wants to go home to ride horses. Although right. the
0: Broncos are horses, so.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. Maybe this could happen. This is I didn't
0: Jokic the Broncos quarterback. Stop it. Part of the contract is he gets to ride horses to and from the game. Oh, that's incredible. Um, I will just say this: Greg Dulcich is talented enough that if he ends up as a weekly top twelve tight end play, it should come as a surprise to nobody. I think the Broncos receiver group has taken enough hits specifically with the Tim Patrick injury that all of a sudden Greg Dulcich could be in line as like the second or third highest target getter amongst all Broncos wide receiver and tight ends. Tim Patrick, obviously, out for the season, unfortunately, and they released K.J.
1: Hamler Yeah, he's got a
0: a medical situation, pretty scary there. It sounds like he uh, found something like an irregular heartbeat, I believe it was, and uh, he's going to take a little break from football right now. He'll be back with the Broncos at some point, so certainly sending the best there, but uh, Marvin Mims, our second-round pick, like him as a dynasty stash, but it wouldn't stun me if the pecking order is... Jerry, Judy, Greg Dolchich slash Cortland Sutton, and then like Marvin Mims Mims and and like inserts other guys later. So uh, yeah, Dolchich is an interesting guy here, Daniel, kind of on that fringe. I don't want to go, you know, too crazy on him, but we saw some, like if you just look at the talent last year, hard to ignore what Greg Dolchich did last season late for the Denver Broncos. All right, field AFC West. Let's talk about how these guys are going to break it down. Believe it or not. Believe it or not.
1: Win Projection 11 and a half. Yeah. You over, over, banging under. the over there. At I'm least 13 wins well. for the
0: Chiefs. I got them as the uh, number one seed in the AFC. I'm really, I'm, I'm feeling spicy today. So I did that. Yep. I've got the
1: Los Angeles Chargers. Nine and a half total wins yep. i'm taking the over on nine and a half wins as well
0: uh i decided to be uh, a little more disciplined today and not just name every team to the playoff charges on the outside looking in for the what? playoffs this year yep because i only have one wild card spot left you do only have one you gave and all the there's a team the that i'm very one. bullish okay. on that we'll talk about uh in a different division on preview
1: okay so yep. spoiler alert yep. field are the raiders your other wild card team? they are not oh, okay. I think they're
0: going to be in right. for a difficult season more like seven and ten this year
1: all right so you're taking the under on seven and a half yes. total wins yep. I'll probably do the same as that. So wait. Are the Broncos your other wildcard team?
0: The Broncos are not my other wildcard team. All right, well, Well, I was just trying. The Broncos do better. I think they're an 8-9 and team, so I'm banging the under on the Denver Broncos, whose current win total forecast is eight and a half this year. That's still
1: three more wins than what they had last year.
0: It is, and they'll be awesome on defense, and I think they'll be certainly a much more organized outfit this year on offense. I just have a hard time believing that this team can score enough points to hang in what feels like an absolutely loaded AFC this year.
1: All right, so you're taking the over on the Chiefs, the over on the Chargers, but they're not Going to make the playoffs. I believe
0: I had him at nine and eight. So I think that's under. Oh, so right under here. on the Chargers. Yeah. Okay,
1: and then under on the Raiders and under on the Broncos.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: All right, and the only team I making felt the playoffs a little, like a little
0: too rosy yesterday. Just, so I had to kind of back gotta, off. A yeah, bit. yeah.
1: A little get off my old, get off my lawn kind of yes, thing. Yes, exactly. All right, Field. That's not too bad. This was a pretty good division here. Obviously, one of the best divisions in football. I am interested to see the way these two bottom teams perform because it feels like the Chiefs and the Chargers are firmly in control of this division. We'll see if the Chargers can give the Chiefs a
0: run. For My the how things can change because a year ago we were saying, well, all four of these teams make the playoffs yeah. from the uh, AFC West. That did not happen. Nope things can change dramatically because all of a sudden it feels like a a much different outlook for uh, at least two of those teams in the Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders. All right. Good stuff today. We got another divisional preview tomorrow. In the meantime, if you want to, um, We've got AFC North tomorrow. Okay. Loaded division. You and I are about to go tape a podcast with Adam Schefter. I believe it drops next Monday. Love that. Adam Schefter, sources are telling us he is inviting you and I onto the podcast. Check that out wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to check out the ESPN NFL YouTube page. We want to get that to 200,000 subscribers. Help to your part. We're 12,000 away. So it might take some time, but if you want to be a part of greatness, ESPN NFL YouTube page. Go to YouTube.com/slash ESPN NFL for Daniel. I am Field. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We've got the Browns, Ravens, Steelers, and the Bengals. Bengals, Bengals, Bengals. I can't I love say that, that word. Band. Bengals. They're
1: one of my favorites. Bengals. The Bengals. The
0: Bengals. Oh, am I saying that wrong? Lead guitarist the Bengals. one for me. Bengals. The Bengals. Bengals.
1: Yeah, you did better there. Bengals. Yeah.
0: So it's like saying the name Ben and then Gulls, <laughs> like a seagull. <laughs> Are we still in the air right now? I Bengals. Not, I hope not. You're getting better
1: at it, though, man. Bengals. Bengals. Bengals, Bengals yeah. Who's that? Who's that squirrel?
0: Who's that squirrel? It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we. Depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through. With the hippie spirit. I'm
1: telling you. He's dead.